Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm your primary host, Caleb. And I'm a... a what? What have you done? Secondary co- I can't. I can't, believe I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> How can she slap? Oh, my. Don't remind me about that video. I have thoughts on that video. Hi, hi everybody. I'm Dan. I'm... A- also a primary host i guess we're co-primary hosts how many more how many more fucking things can we add on to our title like uh we're we're co-hosts and then we're primary co-primary hosts and and stuff you can be assistant to the primary host that's you hooray co-chief resident (laughs) member scrubs no actually i don't think i've ever no, I haven't ever seen Scrubs. Like I've seen episodes, but I haven't watched Scrubs. Shameful display. Hey, we have a guest, uh, a tertiary host, if you will. <laughs> is is there what? Okay, so tertiary is like third level. What's the fourth level in Aries? Uh, quaternary, I believe. I'll, I'll Can I be in an irregular orbit around the show? No. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself there, buddy? Hi, I'm Nick. I'm the tertiary host. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, somebody knows their place. Yay. Thanks I'm, for having me, guys. I love you. Nick, you are of both Epic Film Guys and Restaurant Podcasts. That's and, a lie. Uh, you, you, you swore to me that you would... Uh, kill me if you weren't allowed on this episode so here you are i did (laughs) and we might just kill ourselves by the time it's all over (laughs) that's very true how's everyone doing this week uh i'm doing well uh before we get too deep into banter i wanted to throw this up right at the top of the show here uh i am looking for a guest reviewer for the netflix series super drags which comes out I guess like three days after this episode comes out. So if anybody knows of a podcaster in the drag queen community who wants to co-review super drags with me, uh, please reach out to my Twitter. Which is? 
uh, C underscore LEB 2021. Is that or a just the joke? Netflix and Swill Twitter. <laughs> it is a C-Lab joke. All these new listeners from the Podbean Featured Podcast are going to be very, very confused when they're like, of course that's a C-Lab joke. What the fuck are you talking about? Not understanding. Reference. Speaking of which, uh, I do want to talk about the Podbean Featured Podcast thing. Uh, holy Congratulations, fuck. guys. Holy fuck. So I did some math. Uh, and I'm not going to get into specific numbers, but I will just say this. Uh, last week, after being the Podbean Feature Podcast, that was our biggest week ever in terms of downloads. Uh, in fact, only four months have we ever reached that amount of downloads. Like, four times have we reached a monthly download number of what we what we reached after being featured. So, Wow. Yeah, what a tremendous honor. Thank you, Podbean, and we love you. Yes, thank you. And thank you, everybody who has just joined us and started listening to the show. It means a lot. Now it falls to me to not drive them all away. <laughs> Nick, tell us things about you. How How was, uh... <laughs> how, are you, how were the two movies you watched yesterday? <laughs> they were both pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I I sat in a comfy chair and I put on some headphones and I queued up Queen's Greatest Hits and read their Wikipedia page because that's exactly what whoever made Bohemian fucking Rhapsody did. It's so unfortunate. I, I blame the living Queen members for that because I feel like we actually could have gotten like a good movie if they weren't just like, hey, no, you can't tell that story. You got to tell this story. It's like, it's almost like they were playing like caricatures of the people in queen. Like Rami Malek is, is really good in it. Like I won't say he's not, but for me, it's really immersion breaking that whenever they went to like the big musical numbers and stuff and playing all of queen's greatest hits, Freddie Mercury starts singing. Cause I know he's not Freddie Mercury and I know getting an actor that can sing like Freddie Mercury would have been nigh impossible, but it breaks immersion for me when all of a sudden I start hearing Freddie Mercury's actual voice and, like, videos yeah. and songs I've heard a million times, like, I I can't separate the two in my brain. Maybe that's the baggage I take into the theater. Mm -hmm. But, and then it's, I saw that, and then I also saw an even bigger bag of shit called The Nutcracker and The Four Realms. Which... <laughs> so, <laughs> let me explain your folly there in the first place. Uh, you went to see The Nutcracker. The biggest piece of shit property there fucking is on planet Earth. Okay, so one year my mother actually took me to, uh, like, the whole family to the ballet of the Nutcracker. And uh, I'm not a ballet aficionado mm -hmm. by any means, but uh, it was neat. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, it doesn't really translate to film. I don't know if the movie was like an adaptation of because I've never seen the ballet, so I don't know. I think it was just like they took like the idea of a nutcracker. They, and then well, just yeah, they tried to Alice in Wonderland's it. it. That's, yeah. what, that's what it looked like. And I was just like, no. the problem is the movie's 90 minutes long and it takes about 50 to 60 minutes to start doing anything interesting. <laughs> and it's just it really feels like it was like 
a, a costuming b-roll like there's some great costume work in it there's some great production design work in it but it's like they had an hour and a half to fill and they dragged every single inch of it out that they possibly could lame lame <laughs> yeah, it was it was not 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 good I love you too. I've missed you. It's been a while since I've been on the show, hasn't it? It's it's been a minute. Fuck. Yeah. I want to live in the alternate universe where Sacha Baron Cohen played Freddie Mercury. Yeah, That's it's true. one of my biggest. I can't wait to delve into that when we review the movie on Epic Film Guys. But like, I don't blame yeah, him he, for walking he away. He backed out of the movie because they were playing it so safe. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted they wanted Freddie Mercury to die halfway through the movie, and then the rest of it would have just been about the rest of Queen, and. Nobody wants that movie, ever. I'm sorry, but Queen <laughs> Queen in and of itself is not interesting. Freddie Mercury is extremely interesting. So, like, yeah, so, like it, to to have your movie climax at the in the middle and then just have like I don't know 45 minutes of nothing sounds like a terrible fucking idea. Yeah, it, it's I've got so much to say about it, but that's not what this show's about. So I won't bore you guys. Just listen to um, this Thursday's Epic Film guys. Justin link, will be pissed off because I'm going to shit all over it. <laughs> the uh, link to Epic Film Guys will be in the show notes, so please feel free to check those and check them out. But, uh, I don't know, anybody else have anything else to say? Anyone want to shit on Bohemian Rhapsody more? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but... <laughs> yes, and I am a Nazi Kardashian. <laughs> Sick reference. Thanks, man. Let's move on to what's your swill. What are you drinking? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? I'm just an obnoxious. He hates <laughs> these cans. Stay away from Stay the cans. Stay away from the cans. <laughs> 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 that was my best attempt at a vomit sound. I'm sorry. I love Nick, you. you're the guest. What are you? What are you swilling down your slippery stairs? <laughs> I, I told you guys this before we started. I don't think I've ever had actual swill any of the other times I've ever been on this show. So I bought this for restaurant. Believe it or not, I don't just have it. I bought it for restaurant because I'm going to do some cooking with it. But I have where did I put the bottle? Hang on. I don't believe you. I, I don't believe that you don't just own this. You know me better than that, Dan. That's not uh, true. I have some ten high. Kentucky bourbon whiskey. It was a whopping $10 for a whole bottle of it. Well, Caleb, and, I found uh, the replacement to that Duke bourbon you've been waiting for. <laughs> Duke bourbon wasn't bad. Mm, it's like battery acid. Why do you know it's, what that tastes like? Because I've had 10 high Kentucky bourbon whiskey. It's Nick, not good. It's it's really you, not good. It has a mouthfeel. Uh, it doesn't have any IBUs. You, you know, it's really good. Nick Haskins are my number one guy. <laughs> well, well, Caleb, I'll, I'll just go over to you. What do you what do you got? Well, in honor of our guest, I'm having something that we drank a pile of in college whenever we were developing our young and burgeoning palates. This is Magic Hat Circus Boy, the Hefeweizen. Hell yeah, man. I don't know what mm. you're talking about with Young and Nick. <laughs> Younger? 
Well, I don't know. Whenever I met him, he drank nothing but Yingling pretty much. So he's come a long way. <sighs> to be fair, to be Ric Flair here, uh, we had no <laughs> money. Yeah. Uh, that's true, but I don't know. I always found it comical that he went into the fucking bar and ordered a stein of Yingling. <laughs> I forgot you did that. But you know why? I'll tell you why. Because it was three fifty, three fucking fifty at the Loomis for a stein. <laughs> uh, you fucking yodeling llama cunt. <laughs> oh man, it's me. I don't even know what that means. I'm going to be executed by sword for using the C word on radio. (laughs) For for anybody who's clueless, uh, welcome to the show. Go back and listen to our Cautionary Tales of Swords commentary episode featuring uh, the three of us. Which was basically just us watching the Tom and Jerry boom pop the hat clip for three hours. <laughs> and we, we laughed at it, but it, it was just some dude's commentary that we were laughing at the whole time. That was it. Oh my God. The, inherently, the clip is not that funny. Yeah. Boom, throw the little small boot up on the counter. Boom, <laughs> pop the hat. Me, I'm going to smoke the sea. <laughs> flip it roll it make the mouse lick it come here bitch (laughs) Uh, fucking tom and jerry so good dan start saving up all these uh tom and jerry outtakes again for another blooper episode (laughs) although the blooper episode is well in the can at this point oh my god well uh, i'm drinking a saul cerveza original mexico de mexico do you like that white guy pronunciation of all those Spanish words? I hope you do. <laughs> Hooray! Way, way to gentrify cerveza. Uh, uno cerveza, por favor. Woo, this is going to be good. <laughs> so many references to stupid videos that people are going to watch and be like, I don't like these guys anymore and just stop listening to the show. <laughs> yeah, we, we had our moment in the sun. It's It's all ogre now. We're, we're, we are Icarusing hard here. Uh, it's fine. It's uh, I made pulled pork tacos because they were calling my name, and you know, <laughs> whatever. Show's so stupid. <laughs> uh, what? Let's go on to news. Oh shit! It's mail time. All right, I got some quick hitters here. These are from Twitter, and I don't want to talk too much about them. Uh, 45 hand-picked episodes of Jeopardy have come to Netflix. What? Yeah. Hand-picked by whom? Great question. Didn't dig into the story. Don't care to. It's just 45 by episodes Alex of Jeopardy. By Alex Trebek. Production assistant's assistant. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. It's Jeopardy. If you want to watch Jeopardy on demand, there you go. Fucking, what someone should do, well, I mean, what you can do now that it's on Netflix is you could watch through, like, four or five of the episodes and, like, memorize all the answers and then, like, invite people over to watch Jeopardy because that's the thing you do and then seem really smart. (laughs) (laughs) And that was what they wrote in their suicide note. I invited my friends over to watch Jeopardy. (laughs) 
it was a, it was a mistake to have me on the week after you guys hit your biggest download numbers ever because goodbye everybody <laughs> you're i mean you are no cory that's true i figured it was probably the wonder bread effect i i, I didn't want to say anything but now yeah. press f to pay your respects <laughs> Uh, next quick hit is that Castlevania has been renewed for season three. At, at least we got something. All right, moving on. Yeah, good, good, good talk, everybody. Good, nice discussion. Really like it. I still need to catch season two. Unfortunately, I did not get a chance to. Ah, you might want to rephrase. Unfortunately, there. Yeah, that's what Caleb was telling me before. Yeah, <laughs> expectations are being firmly tempered. I don't like it. Next story is that the ranch has been renewed for a fourth season. No one cares. Moving on. Hooray! Wait, no, my other answer is applicable there. By whom? <laughs> uh, next story, and this is actually, we'll, we will take a bit of time on maybe. Uh, Roma, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and Bird Box are all getting limited theatrical releases. Because Netflix decided to do this for some reason, and I am all about it. I mean, like, do we? Well, like, what was at the beginning of the year when they got into the whole spat with basically the festival circuit and everything like that? That were like they're not going to be eligible for awards contention unless they show in theaters. And unfortunately, they're still dealing with a business model from like the forties, mm-hmm. so they don't <laughs> understand that streaming's a thing, and it's like here to stay so they need to get on board with the whole thing so i mean i don't blame if it gets netflix more exposure i mean that's a smart decision on their part i don't think this is going to hurt netflix at all to show them in theaters and then be like okay you've seen it once in theaters now you can go watch it from the comfort of your own home like you just get to double dip on those people i kind of just had the realization that uh movie theaters are following the fucking nintendo business model like why would we need to move into the fucking 21st century and give people online experiences it's true <laughs> fucking, fucking nintendo God damn it. hey do you do you want to use a, a secondary app for voice chat no i'm just gonna fucking skype people yeah right <sighs> just, just make discord on fucking all the consoles easy peasy done get on a discord uh, next story is, did Sub- Netflix's Sabrina show steal a design from the Satanic Temple? The Temple sure thinks so. <laughs> so, I just posted the uh, the story where it contains both images of, uh, or the image of the statues side by side for a comparison. And the Satanic Temple has a point here. Uh, th- these are very similar statues. Actually, they are exactly the same. Yeah, but let me tell you something. The fucking Satanic Temple does not own the likeness of Lord Baphomet. He belongs to all of us. (laughs) Plus, like, that statue design in question was created, like, a hundred years before the Satanic Temple was established, so... Uh, I just want to point out that the Satanic Temple uh, said that the show is sullying their their name because they're being portrayed as evil. Meanwhile, 
I want to point out that Christianity is well, actually, it's not the it's it's the most popular Western religion, and therefore naming yourself after their fucking evil person is probably not a good look for your goddamn church in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) The Church of Satan's going to drag him into court, being like, "They're dragging our good name through the mud." Meanwhile, it's like, wait, you said Satan, right? The guy, the guy that everyone says is like the bad guy, right? (laughs) Like, everyone's like, oh, man, it's the devil, <laughs> a.k.a. the worst fucking thing on the planet. Oh, that's not ruining your name? Okay, whatever you say. It's, it's 100% 2018 in that even now the Church of Satan is offended. <laughs> 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 we have reached the apex of 2018. Anytime the Church of Satan ends up in the news, <laughs> you know it's going to be fucking hysterical. Uh... <laughs> Fucking Church of Satan. Oh, God damn God. it. Uh, all right. Now on to actual news we all really care about. Bojack Horseman has been renewed for season six. Thank God. I don't think my poor heart could take another cancellation of a good show. I promise I'll watch Bojack very soon. It's my gym show. I've just got it waiting for when I start getting back to the gym regularly. Uh-huh. We don't have that kind of time, Nick. <laughs> Not if I keep drinking fucking battery acid like this. this is I do have some Eagle Rare, Dan. I think I'm gonna follow this up with some Eagle Rare when I'm done. It's not a bad chance. I'll feel better. Yeah. Uh I don't know. Bojack Horseman season five. Listen to our review if you want to know what we really think about it. Other than uh it's really fucking good. So, of course, we're excited for a season six. Big shock, everybody. I feel like BoJack is like that one consistent series on Netflix that has stayed like in your good graces, like all together, like completely. Like you guys still seem to really, really love it. Uh, I think you said season five was even better than like the past couple, wasn't it? Yes, which was yeah. shocking. Yeah, it's it's rare in this day and age to see a show go on for so long and hold up so incredibly well. Yeah, I can't wait to check it out. I really, really can. I just, unfortunately, I just have not found the time. You could also take the Corey approach and realize after three seasons that it's making you too depressed and you probably shouldn't continue. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever Corey has to have a trigger warning for the show, you know that it's going into some dark territory. (laughs) Uh, Of the things that Corey said, that was probably the, the most good thing he said the worst thing obviously being his fucking rating system that came from fucking satan's asshole there you it go makes Church no of satan. sense yeah fucking shame cory for his rating system which he clearly stole from being depressed that <laughs> god's winning <laughs> i mean oh if i i really like it but i never want to watch it again it's a four okay so schindler's <laughs> list is a four got it <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> we love you, Wonderbread. Sure. Our final story <laughs> is that we got a And I've grown fond of him too. He's fine. Uh our final story, and it's just another quick hit, I guess, is that we got our first look at Henry Cavill in his Geralt of Rivia costume for the Witcher series. Okay, so they better be making it where it's like 
he's brand new to the the witching game, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it's a very young version of Geralt because Henry Henry Cavill's like way too fucking good looking. That's what I said. He's that that and that wig looks awful. Like whatever they did to fucking put like like I I hope to God that it was just someone being like he looks hey, we like gotta... fucking Christopher Lambert as Raiden in the Mortal Kombat movie, <laughs> just like stepping out of the shadows real quick. And that's oh the whole God. that's the whole video. <sighs> it they're coming from Otherworld, Liu Kang. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I a can terrible never wig. Achieve the level of gravelly that Christopher Lambert's voice is. Man, now I really want to watch the first Highlander again. <laughs> the first Highlander? You mean the only Highlander, right? Yes. There we go. So, there can be only one. The series was okay, actually. Like, I could get down on that a bit, but yeah, the, the movies after the first one were trash. I, I just hope that someone Which is spends... a shame, because I actually like Adrian Paul in the role. It's just that, like, the plots were so bad. That's fair. I just hope they spend more than five minutes on his wig this time, like during the series, because it just looks so bad. That fucking wig does not look good on him at all. Yeah, because like the video that they released is only pretty much a makeup test, but I don't know if that's indicative of the where they're going for with the actual show. Oof. Yes. Uh, let's move on to downstream where we talk about the one trailer that came to Netflix that's of any note. This week. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line. <laughs> That's right. How many of you are sound drops on Netflix and Swill? Hmm. Alright, so things that haven't been included in this list are a six part documentary about dogs. Uh, <sighs> a show called Don't Watch This, so you got it, bro. <laughs> and then uh, there's a show called Brainchild, which looks like Netflix's attempt at Bill Nye the Science Guy, but without Bill Nye the Science Guy, and that's probably a good thing at this point. And uh, yes, that brings us to <laughs> the thing we've all been waiting for: the Christmas Chronicles official trailer. <laughs> so, here's my head cannon for this movie: Kurt Russell is portraying R.J. McReady after escaping the Antarctic and destroying the thing. And he becomes, like, he knocks Santa off a roof on his way back flying his helicopter. Was it Tim Allen? And picks up a card from his suit and just becomes a fucking badass Kurt Russell Santa. I pray it was Tim Allen. I I mean, we can only hope it was Tim Allen that he killed. Oh, God. I think... I th- the thing for me is like plot wise, at least the the plot in the trailer, it, it's just kind of that generic. We have to help Santa save Christmas movie. It, it literally so, is the Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Christmas but, spirit is dropping. We need to make people believe again. With Kurt Russell, though, <laughs> like I hope he's like, I don't know, like he has a few moments in the in the trailer which give me hope that this will be like. He'll just be like a cranky old dick Santa a little bit. All I've know. ever wanted in life is Kurt Russell bitching about people drawing him too fat. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't care how stupid this movie is. I really don't because I'm going to watch it and I'm going to pass it because 
it's Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. <laughs> like I, I'm, I am letting you know up front, I am biased towards Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. So no matter what, this is going to get a passing grade from me, despite the fact that it probably might be a one star movie, and that'll be fine because it's fucking Kurt Russell. <laughs> he he looks like he's just having a fucking blast in the trailer, which I think will make the movie really and really entertaining. I think that's the main takeaway that I had from it. I love yeah. Kurt Russell. He's going to be great. The rest of it is literally just going to be generic Christmas movie 101, but whatever. He He's at his best when he gets to ham it up. Mm-hmm. And like, that that's what this trailer is. Like, he's just fucking chewing up the fucking scenery, just, yeah. just bouncing around. And it's, it's great. I don't need anybody else in the movie. Like, you could show me fucking Kurt Russell in a Santa suit in front of a green screen, and I would watch it. Is it too late to get that? Just the rest of this, the, the kids and stuff, just get rid of them. I mean, it'd be the cheapest movie ever. It, you, you'd basically be like, okay, Kurt, just show up for a day, we'll pay you for it, and then just stand in front of this green screen and just do whatever you want for 90 minutes. Can we get a theater release of Kurt Russell's home movies? <laughs> We'll give him about four whiskeys in a 15-minute time frame and then just let the camera run for two hours. <laughs> I'd be with it. I, I mean, dude, it's Kurt Russell. That dude's magnetic. It would be perfect. It would be the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> best actor, Kurt Russell. Best supporting actor, Kurt Russell. Best director, Kurt Russell. Best best boy, Kurt Russell. Best actress, <laughs> Kurt Russell. All I want now... I assume he has a wig. I just want Kurt Russell in drag now. Can Kurt Russell be Caleb's drag queen that he reviews Super Drag with? Oh, God. If only. Well, that's it. That's uh, all the news and trailers and shitting on Bohemian Rhapsody we have for this week. So why don't we cut into a quick break? And when we come back from it, we're going to talk about what we watched this week. Hello everyone, this is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay, yeah, thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. On top of our main show, every Friday, you can also hear our extra film podcasts. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Listen to the In Session Film Podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not how this <laughs> works, sir. And welcome back, everybody. Caleb and Nick, it's time to get into what we watched this week. And Nick, you're the guest for some fucking reason. I don't know why. Uh, but why don't you tell us what you watched this week? Hey, you dug your own grave with that one. Uh, so I, I believe I'll be talking to you about most of this stuff because I know you also checked out most of it. But I checked out the first two episodes of season six of House of Cards. You're a fucking brave soul for checking out that many episodes so far. <sighs> so, so Dan, Dan, did you know Kevin Spacey's no longer on the show? Did you know that Frank Underwood is dead? Hey, Caleb, Kevin Spacey's not on House of Cards anymore. Frank Underwood is also dead. <laughs> I think I uh, I might have heard about that. But Caleb, I don't think you understand. Kevin Spacey is gone from the show, and Frank Underwood is dead. Yeah, Frank Underwood's dead. And Kevin Spacey's die? gone from the show. 
Oh, you don't know? He's he's dead. <laughs> I tried. Okay, I, I want, tried, Dan. I want this season to have a fucking shot that's reminiscent of the beginning of season three, I believe it was, where Frank pisses on his father's grave of Claire going up and pissing <laughs> on Frank's grave. That... I would have preferred that. That would have been be incredible. To honest. I really, really would but, have. But no. What, uh, I tried. <sighs> I, I tried to count, Dan, the number of times in episode one that they mention Frank, Francis, the former president, him. Like, sometimes they would just play the pronoun game. It, I, I, I lost count. I couldn't. I just, I had to stop. I couldn't do it anymore. So, for those of you who... <laughs> Maybe thinking, oh well, Nick and Nick and Dan are just fucking around when they when they did that whole Kevin Spacey is not in the show and Frank Underwood is dead. Bit. Wait, he's not. Uh, we're not. We are not fucking around. <laughs> Literally, that is the entire <laughs> script for the first episode. As far as it, and it could be the whole script for the whole fucking season for all I fucking know. Because god damn it, like it, it's like the writers forgot how to write a script for people and were just like, oh, uh, this guy is now no longer on the show because he's a piece of shit. Let's constantly re- fucking reference him. Like, if yeah. if you were going to reference him this much, keep him on the fucking show and deal with the consequences. Well, what what I said that they should have done, I mean, it would have been so jarring regardless if they would have done it, but they should have just recast him because he's such an integral part. The character is such an integral part of this entire show. Like, he's weaved through liter- literally every character he's touched in some way or another, mm-hmm. sometimes literally. But, like, they refer to him constantly in... Dan hasn't seen episode two yet. I've seen like episode two and then like part of the beginning, like of episode three, Mm -hmm. I had to get on hit recording with you guys. So I had to stop watching it, but they're making like him not being on the show, a major plot point of the season of the show. Like the way that you take away the power that Kevin Spacey and his actions and everything had is to not do exactly that. Like you're literally making the entire show still about him. Yeah. And about the impact that he had on the show. So, thanks? It's like they're trying to make an excuse for the fact that the show isn't going to be as good because he's not on it. So they just keep referencing him, hoping that, like, his presence will, you know, make people think the show is good for some fucking reason. But, man, (sighs) I, I, I don't even have, like, any other things to say about the show because all I can think about is that Kevin Spacey is gone and Frank Underwood is dead. Because that's all the fucking show wanted to fucking tell me. Yeah, it it really, really is. I mean, I love Robin Wright, and I've loved her in this role, mm-hmm. but I would feel the same way if she had, you know, unexpectedly departed from the show and they just tried to keep going with Frank and, and kept referring to her character all the time. Like, those two her? characters are literally the, her, pinnacle of this series. Like, you can't do, I, I don't know, they should have either A, canceled it outright, or B, whatever just recast him just they should have just recast him it would have taken a little bit of time to get used to but i feel like the character is just too important and 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 the the show seriously lacks for not having him because they clearly have no fucking idea what to do Mm -hmm. with the show without him at all yeah and i mentioned it when we talked about the trailer but they they try to make claire out to be this monster that is greater than Frank? And I just went, that's not fucking possible. Have you watched the show, writers and people who did this trailer? Do you know that she is not even remotely near the monster that Frank is? Like, 
you're trying to replace him with her and it doesn't work. Yeah, like they still had like so many so many open plot threads from from previous seasons about all the different crimes and shit that Frank committed. Like Tom, the guy from the Washington Herald, mm-hmm. apparently he's going to be a big part of this season as well and like his whole thing was like trying to bring Frank down. Mm-hmm. Like w- like that like all you're doing is just constantly referring back to it. Same thing with Doug. Doug Stamper, literally the exact same thing. Like he his character is so intertwined with Frank. It it's just I don't know. Like I, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. I mean, honestly, you couldn't have Spacey still in the show. Like I right. get that, but there were way better ways to do it narratively than to fire him and then literally just refer to his character. So all you think about the entire time is the fact that he's not there. See yeah. also the Connors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you uh, think it would have been better if they did like a jump cut and it's like two years later? I mean, Anything would have been better, I think, than what we're getting now. I agree. Anything. I, I'm just, I'm just so disappointed so far, it, and it's one episode, like a soft reboot or something, where they take like, yeah, move it to like a whole other administration, like get rid of Robin Wright, get rid of Spacey, get rid of a bunch of people, and then just like keep the same. Like, I love the political drama of it. I love yes. that just intensity of the political drama of it. I, they bring in Greg Kinnear and Diane Lane this season, who I love. Like, why couldn't we just move on with like a whole bunch of new actors? Instead, they had to make it all about the final season and stuff. Like, well, oh have they started setting up the follow-up show? Better call Stamper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be great. Actually. I'd, I'd enjoy watching Michael Kelly in his own series. I really would too. I love Better Call Saul, too. It's an amazing show. <laughs> I'm really proud of that joke. <laughs> Good joke, Caleb. Let's move on. <laughs> Caleb didn't watch it, so he's better than both of us. He really is. Oh, fuck. It's just so aggravating. Uh, so the other thing that I watched, the documentary that goes along with it, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. Dan, did you get a chance to check it out? Nope. Didn't care to. I watched like 10 minutes of it unwillingly because it auto-played after yes! the, the fucking yes! movie. Okay, can we talk about that real quick? Like, it gave you five seconds to turn off the movie before it auto-played into the goddamn thing. And now I'm starting right? to understand why people are so fucking mad. Well, I watched it on the Wii U, which the Wii U fucking Netflix app is garbage. So <laughs> it told me that I had 15 seconds to cancel it, but then the credits played for a full minute before it finally decided to load up the fucking other movie so (sighs) fucking weird it's for me it it was just like more of a story i've already heard a thousand times like i i've I've done a lot of reading about orson balls like i revere orson balls i adore him i think he was a fucking genius but like i've already i'm already more than aware of how downtrodden he was by hollywood nobody cared about him after kane came out Hearst basically fucking ruined his career. He couldn't get final cut. He couldn't get any control over any films that he made. And that's basically just what this is an extension of. It kind of just tells the story of him trying to make this movie. And you've got a bunch of the people that were in it and a bunch of people modern day, like kind of trying to speculate about was it autobiographical? How much of it Mm -hmm. was autobiographical? I think, frankly, a lot of it probably was. Yep. But 
I think it's interesting because you get to hear Wells talk about it a lot, and that's the one thing that you don't get in the other side of the wind is Wells's voice. I mean, you get it from the camera's perspective, obviously, but I I love that you know it just we already have heard this story a lot, so for me, the documented documentary doesn't really add anything new to that. I don't know. It was it wasn't a bad documentary, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it was only like ninety minutes, and I was kind of like halfway through it, and I was like, "Is this over yet?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so from that kind of respect, like you're somebody who cares a lot about Orson Welles and the other side of the wind, from a perspective of somebody who watches the other side of the wind and just went, "Oh, I wonder what the story behind this movie is," because it's very like you see the scroll at the beginning of Other Side of the Wind, you're like, "Huh, that's interesting. I wonder what like why that happened. Would this be a good companion piece to that?" I mean, if you're somebody who doesn't know a lot about Wells, I would say yes, just because it tells you a lot of things like about, I mean, basically like the film was financed a lot by uh, the brother or brother-in-law, I think, of the Shah of Iran, which, and then in 1979, the Iranian government got overthrown by the Ayatollah. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the huge things that really, really sank the other side of the wind was because they didn't have control over it anymore in Wells. Like he always had to act in other films to make money to produce his own films. It's what he did all the time. And they wanted something like $1.5 million to release the film. It was locked in a vault in France Hmm. and they wanted $1.5 million in 1970s money to (laughs) get it out of the vault and to let him have it so he could edit it and he could release it because the whole thing was shot and you know, he, of course, he couldn't come up with it. I mean, stuff like that. If it's not stuff that you're already aware of, like, like me, I'm, I'm. It's just for me. It's like, it's nice to just hear Wells and see Wells talking about the film. Like those for me are the best bits. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a lot of people that do a lot of speculating in the documentary, which I probably wasn't as much of a fan of, because I'd rather just give me the archive footage of Wells talking about it, and that's probably what I want out of it, and that's it. <laughs> that's fair. All I can think of now are the the fucking champagne commercial, which clearly was used like as a way to fund the fucking movie. And then, I'm pretty sure they show a clip from the champagne commercial in uh, "They'll Love Me When I'm Dead." <laughs> I need well. to watch it just for that clip. That's my favorite clip of Orson yeah. Welles ever. Which it, I mean, really, that's what he did. He took any job he could. Like they show a clip of him in a movie with the fucking Muppets and everything like he did this kind of stuff all the time to make money just to be able to go back and shoot a couple more weeks that's of a film that's why the other side of the wind took six goddamn years to shoot you know because they just kept running out of money (laughs) nick why don't you tell me about uh transformers and why orson welles took that role the the same reason (laughs) tell me what you think about transformers transformers the movie is garbage (laughs) caleb what did you watch this week uh, I watched some cool, uh, spoopy Halloween stuff. So the first thing that I watched is called Araminari: The Blacksmith and the Devil. This is a new Netflix film. Uh, this is based on Basque folklore. Um, Basque or Basque? I, I I'm not sure. It's the area that like kind of straddles the border of France and Spain. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is like um, I'm gonna say like early to mid 1800s probably when this is set because they have black powder weapons like muskets and blunderbusses and shit but um this basically tells the story of the blacksmith who uh he 
he captured a demon mm-hmm. and basically tortured it and he would become like so so well known in hell that even the devil himself would come to fear him so this begins with an orphan girl who is a ward of the church mm-hmm. like her mother killed herself so everybody's like oh your mom is like she committed suicide she's in hell and she's all pissed off about that so uh the the blacksmith is being investigated by the government because they think that he took a bunch of gold that was like spoils of war basically right so this uh official investigator of the state comes to check out the forge and everything um the little girl kind of stumbles into this the events and uh like finds the the demon in a cage that takes on the form of a little boy and like convinces her to release him mm-hmm. and this is one that like a lot of shit happens quick so it's kind of hard to describe without right. actually watching it but so like a basically a posse from the town goes to raid the forge uh and like find this gold or whatever and this is the probably the coolest part of the movie for me was whenever they show up to do this cuz like they knock on the door and the blacksmith just like yells from inside like hey fuck off mm-hmm. go away and so they try to break down the door and the fucking blacksmith bursts out with this like metal hockey mask over what? his face and he has this fucking tower shield that he built out of just iron plates that are like forged together with crucifixes and shit mm-hmm. and uh attacks these guys with his fucking forging hammer it's it's fucking badass uh so those guys run away the little girl slips in uh releases this demon from his cage who then takes on his true form and it's like old school depictions of the devil so he's red scaly uh has a bifurcated tail and carries a hay fork solid and uh so like the blacksmith and the little girl form a strong bond uh they recapture the demon and throw him in his cage and shit and uh there's like a full on torture scene where the blacksmith is teaching the little girl just to fuck with this demon and it it plays on a lot of old superstitions about demons so they have like he has a little clay pot full of chickpeas that he throws on the ground because it was an old superstition that if you dump a bunch of chickpeas on the ground the demon has to stop and count them all before he can do anything else so he's trying to count these out and he's in the cage and they they just keep kicking them and shit and the demon's like freaking out cuz he's just it's messing with his head so much what if they made hummus out of those chickpeas See, I don't think that would be effective because, like, the hummus would just be one thing at that point. Yeah, but then you might get the demon trying to. It might be like one of those jelly beans <laughs> in a jar thing, where it's like, guess how many jelly beans are in this, or guess how many chickpeas are in this hummus. <laughs> I don't know. There's um, there's a healthy dose of campiness in this movie because other demons start showing up and stuff. Um, kind of the the climax of this movie is 
the little girl makes her own demon deal mm-hmm. to go to hell to try to find her mother. And the the blacksmith ends up releasing this demon to make a deal with him to go to hell to save the little girl. And uh, so, like, I, I don't want to give too much away because this is something that I think that people should watch. Like, it's it's real cool. But basically, it like, he becomes the Doom Marine. Like, he just storms the fucking gates of hell and is just fucking shit up at the end of it. I like it. Uh, it's it's real cool. Like I said, it, it plays into a lot of the old folklore and shit about demons. Um, it's all, like, I'm not sure what language this is in, but it's all subtitled. Um, so, if that's not your bag, like... Sorry. Uh, I I liked this a lot, though. Like, I I thought it was real cool. Nice. I've seen a lot on my list, and or not on my list, but, like, in general when browsing Netflix, and I've just passed it by. So. Yeah. um, Check it out. I would give it probably a three and a half. Hmm. Okay. And uh, the other thing that I watched was... Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, no way. It's Dracula. Oh, no way. It's a vampire. Uh, Yeah, this has Gary Oldman as Dracula, Winona Ryder, uh, my boy Tony Hopkins. uh, I can't believe you're on first bit name basis with Anthony Hopkins. (laughs) Um. It's been a long fucking time since I've seen this movie. I forgot how fucking weird this movie is. Go on, as I have not seen this movie. It's just, like, they turned everything up to fucking 11. Like, Gary Oldman just hams it the fuck up. Like, he's... He's so obviously a vampire from the very first time that he shows up. Mm-hmm. He He just, like, I don't know. Like, he'll be in a scene talking to Keanu, and, like, in the background, Dracula's shadow is, like, strangling Keanu's shadow and shit. I don't know. It's 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 a fun movie. I don't know. It's just... It's not necessarily, like, the angle that I would go with in a fucking Dracula movie. Like, it's not... It's not... Dark? Like, it's... Everything's like bright colors. It looks like a comic book. Um, it's it's just dumb fun though. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. I don't either. Please Whoa. stop doing that. No. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing that I do now. This did win a bunch of Academy Awards though for best makeup, best costume design, best art direction. Um. I guess it was a nominee for Best Art Direction. And it won uh, for Best Sound Effects Editing. So, hmm. uh, The costume design, definitely, I can I can see that. Like, a lot of the costumes are real cool. But then it also has Winona Ryder, who <laughs> isn't that good. <laughs> Check out Bram Stoker's Dracula. It It'll give you at least like a decent passing familiarity with the Dracula story. Uh, but it's also just a fun romp. How often do they call him Nosferatu? 
uh, zero times. Lame. Actually, no actually, because uh, Anthony Hopkins, his character, he plays Van Helsing, the vampire hunter, and he does refer to him as Nosferatu at least once. But does he say it, Nosferatu, and shake his head? No, at him? he says that he is Nosferatu, <laughs> the disease carrier. So, so what you're telling which, me, which literally is what Nosferatu means in Latin. But what you're telling me is that Gary Oldman didn't flick off some lights a lot. Like, he didn't mess with the light nope. switch at all. It's, it's not... not the the hash-slinging, the, the bash-ringing. <laughs> yes. You're, you're not selling this movie to me. I need, I need more SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it shows... Uh, I love that he's trying to sell the movie as if I wasn't fucking joking. I, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about the opening scene oh, real quick because, like, it has the pretty much the same actors, but in different role in in different roles. Like, four hundred years prior to the events of the movie, when Dracula oh. was a Carpathian knight who, uh, like, he defeated the Turks in a battle that was supposed to be impossible for his side to win. But the Turks got their revenge by uh, shooting an arrow into the castle with a note attached saying that Dracula was slain in battle. And his wife, like who is Winona Ryder, flung herself from the battlements of the castle. So he comes back and uh, she's laying there dead and he just has a fit. He's like, I renounce God. God sucks. Like, I'm going to rise from my grave and get my revenge against the living and all this shit. That part's pretty neat. And of course, Winona Ryder is Keanu's like fiance. So uh that's why he's he's not down with Keanu and like his whole deal. Mm-hmm. And uh so it's it's a love story. Cool. I don't know. I've never I never really been interested in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, it's a neat story. Like I would, I would check out like the original novel actually, if, if you're into that, like it, it's a classic. It's, it's very good, but there's also a graphic novel version of it, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not sure who actually published it. I, I have a version of it, but I, I thought it was really cool. The graphic novel adaptation because there's they made the same book, but two versions of it. Mm-hmm. One that uses modern language and one that uses the classical language. So it's like your preference, like whether you want the classical literature experience or if you want like modern, easier to understand language. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah, it's a cool story. Like I said, the, uh, if you watch the movie, you'll be familiar enough with it. Like they, they stick more or less to uh, the original story, but uh, what about you, Mon Frere? What have what hast thou watched this uh, past fortnight? Fortnight? You you mean build and shoot? And, yeah, and shooting and building and ramps shooting and, and shields and ramps and shields and ramps and shields. <laughs> uh, thank you, Nick. Uh, so I. I am mostly done with The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I have one episode left. And I, even with that, I think I can make a, a fairly 
good assessment that uh, this show has a lot of problems. So to start it all off, it is a CW show in the worst way possible in that the acting is awful and like, no, God, 90% of the actors are fucking terrible. The exceptions being the Spellmans that aren't Sabrina. Like Sabrina's actor herself is terrible. All of her friends are bad actors. Uh, Anybody who is under the age of 18 in the in the, in the show is intrinsically a terrible actor. So fuck it's, and the reason I say it's a CW show is because every CW show has terrible acting in it. Every single one. You can't convince me otherwise. Uh, they're all, like, whatever it is, whoever directs their shit is just like, oh, yeah, that's a good take. And meanwhile, it's the driest fucking take that anyone's ever given to anything ever. Yeah, I was I was on board with Arrow until they got to the point where the fucking, like, the girl who is good with computers in the show who basically is, like, his version of Oracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets into a fucking computer fight with a hacker and like it makes her computer blow up and then she goes back to typing on it. <laughs> That's not how that works. You know nothing of my work. So, aside from that, the dialogue is extremely clunky. So, what I mean is basically anytime that like. It's very clear that the Satanic Church that they that is portrayed in this mo- in this show and not in real life because the Satanic Church in real life isn't actually a church in, or, or religious organization at all. You're fucking. Well, they have morons. principles, Dan. Principles. <laughs> fucking idiots. <laughs> fucking stupid <laughs> idiots. You deserve you deserve to lose in court, despite the fact that I think you have a good case. Uh, but the Satanic Church in the show is basically like, oh, we're a bastardization of the Catholic Church, so we have dark confession. Uh, and welcome to a wedding. It's an unholy matrimony. Like it, it's like, oh, everything that it was is said to be holy now becomes <sighs> unholy. Everything that seems to be good is now evil. And it's just like, okay, we get it. You don't have to fucking beat it into our heads. Like, like, fuck. You may as well start writing into the show that Kevin Spacey is in the show and fucking Frank Underwood is dead. Like that's what you're fucking doing. It's it's stupid. You, you don't have to keep Damn. doing that. Dan, you can't just put a sci-fi word in front of a car word and make it a thing. <laughs> Robocar. <laughs> God damn it. There's something wrong with my microverse battery. <laughs> Quantum spark plugs? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck. This uh, is my miniverse battery. <clears throat> Dumb name. <laughs> <laughs> It's a teeny verse. Uh, the other thing that I have a problem with is the fact that we semi-sexualize a sixteen-year-old character. So, right? We talked about it in the first uh, last week when we were talking about the first episode, but there's a ridiculous amount of side boob of a supposed sixteen-year-old girl uh, get crawl. Well, actually, at the time she's fifteen in the show. And she gets out of a bathtub, and there, there's just ridiculous amounts of side boob, and you're just like, huh, that's a really weird choice, especially considering she's underage. And then, later in the show, there's an orgy with people who are also conceivably underage. So I, And they ask her to join, and I'm just like, what are you trying to do here? I don't understand why you're trying to make this the way it is. Like, She's 16, 
you know, I, I get that the actress is 18, but like you're putting her in really weird situations and I don't like it. Uh, that said, I like the narrative direction of the show, even if I don't like the writing. I like where it's going. I don't like the, the minutia because it's like the writers are just like, hey, guys, did, did, you, did you know that we're these are witches and they worship the actual devil and everything is dark when it's supposed to be light? You, you get that? You get it? You get our joke? You get it? Some, I think they got it. Somebody tell me they got it, please. Like it's, maybe, maybe you should explain it again. It's it's that is aggravating, but the actual narration or the narrative direction is good enough that I. This is going to be a Walking Dead type of show where I'm going to hate watch it until I'm just like I can't take it anymore. So, uh, Sabrina gets a two and a half, and that's probably being generous, like just for the fact that I fucking hate the acting and the actual writing, like. I, I don't know. I I'll probably watch season two because I hate myself. <laughs> uh, and that is it. That is all I watched this week. So I think it's time, boys, to talk about Orson Welles' final film, Transformers. I mean, the other side of the world. <laughs> Transformers three: The Other Side of the Moon. <laughs> Uh, Caleb, that was Transformers 2. Was that Transformers 2? I don't remember. I think it was 3. <laughs> Those are all terrible who, movies. Who cares? I care. I care about everything. <laughs> <sighs> Let's not throw it to Nick first. Let's blue ball everyone on what Nick thought about the movie. And start with Caleb. What did you Damn think it. about Other Side of the Wind? General thoughts for now. Uh, I mean, really, really, we really can't get into spoilers because there's kind of nothing to spoil because they spoil the movie at the beginning of the movie, but... Go ahead. Tell me what you think. Right. I have no idea how to begin to review or rate this movie. (laughs) This movie is nothing. It's a series of long, loosely connected shots of preening, prattling Hollywood types obsessively masturbating each other's egos. Intercut with random shots of cavorting nude women. I can't recommend this film to anybody who isn't a serious scholar of film, and even then, don't expect much other than a lot of fast talk about how great and avant-garde everyone is. It also has the weirdest, scariest sex scene on film. Uh, I watched the whole thing, and I have no idea how to describe it. It's (laughs) utterly unquantifiable. That's fair. It's it's very fair. Uh, Yes. It's a very frantic movie, I will say that. Like, it just cuts a lot. And I get that, you know, Orson Welles shot this movie like 45,000 times, you know, with different cameras and shit to give it that, like, quote-unquote documentary feel. But you, you kind of have to make peace with that at the beginning of the movie. Like, you have to understand going into it that it's just going to be a lot of nonsensical camera cuts to a, a, a film quality that's totally different from what you were just watching because that's the way the the movie was made. Uh I think it's okay given what we got, uh, but like, if you compare this to any modern movie, you would say this is a fucking pile of trash because it doesn't make any sense. What did you think, Nick? Oh God, thoughts. I have so many. I don't even know. I don't even. God, it's a lot of what Caleb said. There's, there's not an easy way to approach this film. I don't feel. Except for to kind of take the party 
and you, you can talk about the party, the four three aspect ratio portion of the film, which is the mockumentary of it. Mm-hmm. And then to talk about the movie within the movie, which is also called The Other Side of the Wind, which is the movie that John Huston's character is trying to get completed. And I talked a little bit with Dan about this uh, when we were when we were watching it. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, especially the movie within the movie, literally some of the most just amazing, just gorgeous photography, like, period. Like, it's gorgeous to watch, but I don't like it, and I don't think as an audience we're meant to i think we're meant to really feel like hannaford just is making the film to try to make a point and that's i think what wells is trying to do when he includes it intercut here and there but i read a review of this film after i watched it that said that those scenes ended up going on for way too long mm-hmm. and i 100 percent agree because i think the far more interesting film here is the party and is the mockumentary, even though it can get a little bit maddening with the just <laughs> insane amount of cuts between different shots in the same scene. Like, <sighs> holy Jesus. Like, I I think, I don't know. Like, I think they meant them to be like a little bit of a palate cleanse. Like, you get the long takes where it's just slow. There's no dialogue. There's nothing happening. You're literally just staring at Oya Kadar and whoever the dude was. Bob I Random, know. I think is his name. I'm, I'm not even joking. I, I think that's actually his name. <laughs> You're legit just staring at the two of them, just moving through these these various sets and these various landscapes. It's just I, like the movie within a movie. Like I said, I I really really disliked it. But then again, like I said, I think we're meant to because I think it's clear from from Hannaford's character at the party uh-huh. that he really doesn't care. You know, at uh, least that's the sense that I got of it. So, like, the movie to me felt like an entire Liam Neeson action set piece from Taken 3, where it's just like 17 cuts to show you the same fucking thing, despite the fact that you could just do one long take and it'd just be fine. But, fuck, man, it, like, my other favorite part about the movie, and I use favorite about as loosely as possible, but <laughs> there, there are conversations between characters <laughs> that are happening and then all of a sudden another character will just show up and happen to be in the happen to have been in the conversation the whole time and you're just like where the fuck did you come from it's like it... <laughs> i remember that happening at least 3 times and i was just like what who huh god damn it orson wells yeah i mean the the one thing that i that i tried to go into this movie with is that even though wells left detail like hundreds of pages of notes and he had edited, like, a couple scenes of it before it got locked away in the vault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they had a general idea of what he wanted to do with it. But I, I try to take it with a grain of salt that is this necessarily the film that Orson Welles would have delivered? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think but, that's fair. I mean, obviously, we're never going to know what that film was. So, you know, we just kind of have to take what we get. I enjoy the hell out of the party. I, I really... I like it when, when, when Caleb mentioned that there are all these avant-garde types who are all basically blowing each other, especially Hannaford. Like, they're all just, like, tripping over themselves to to blow him, and all he wants to do is just get wasted and flirt with people. And I I really, really enjoy that aspect of it, where it's it's literally him just not caring about what Hollywood thinks about him. 
in that regard, he's basically just kind of espousing like these little, I don't know, nuggets of wisdom, I guess you would call them at, at random people. They don't say something to him and he'll just turn to him. And I love Huston's voice and like the, how gravelly he is when he delivers the lines. Like he's slurring half of his words because mm-hmm. he's fucking drunk. Like, I love how like everybody's fawning over him. And I think that's, I, I like Wells's commentary on like, just not caring about, the Hollywood machine. And he was so outside of that whole Hollywood machine. Like he didn't have that. He didn't have people tripping over themselves to, to adore him and give him money and, and make films for him and you know, whatever. But then I think like the one scene that I really, really enjoyed in this film, you've got Billy who is like his fucking stooge. Yep. Basically. I love and Billy. the studio boss. Yeah. I loved Billy too. And, and they're watching, <laughs> uh, Max David is the studio boss. They're watching one of the reels of the film within the film. And the whole time, Max David, I, I, I think, is one of my favorite characters because he's just completely dismissive of everything that he's seeing. He's like, where's Hannaford? Why isn't he here? This is stupid. What's the point of this? He's like the Dan of the movie. Exactly. What's the point of this? I don't care about this. What are they doing? Is there a point to all this? And... I don't think there is. I, I, I think that that ultimately is the point of it, that it's it's Wells basically just kind of giving a middle finger to to that kind of Hollywood machine, really. Yeah, I didn't really get any of that. <laughs> I, this bourbon tastes like fucking death, by the way. <laughs> I, I was so utterly confused trying to follow what was even Ugh. happening in this movie. <laughs> I, I think the key to the movie is to just kind of ignore that the meta movie even exists like i would love to see a cut with the meta like obviously you have the the scene of billy showing max the movie and then like after that you just don't even reference the movie like showing it again because the movie the the meta movie the one thing i like about it is there's no dialogue but other than that like it's it's meandering it's boring and like you said nick we're not supposed to like it but it just is there and you're just like what the fuck is happening? What the fuck was the shot with, like, the girl stripping in the bathroom, and there's the other girl just sitting there fucking putting an ice cube from a glass into her mouth and then spitting it out? (laughs) Well, what is that? Yeah, like I said, I... I hated the meta movie, and but like I said, I I think that you're really, really as an audience member, I think that you're meant to because, I mean, basically Hannaford's entire purpose in the film is he's like just trying to make a film. He's trying to get back into Hollywood, like he's fallen from grace. He wants to make a film to get back in, so he's trying to make a film that he feels will appeal to this arty crowd, you know. And and I feel like it's it's either a commentary on him being out of his depth, like clearly it doesn't mean anything, or it's him just not caring. I, either way, I, either way, I think I'm satisfied with it. But like I said, I think that the scenes do go on for way too long. It distracts me. Like, I want to know what's going on at the party, which is so frantically paced. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just struggling to keep up with it and it, as an audience member. And then when they take you away from it, you're like, but I, but, but take me back there. But this is more like, interesting. I'm going to forget those characters' names by the time I get back there. <laughs> yeah. The, the party is infinitely more interesting. And, I mean, it, it's kind of showing, like, oh, this relationship with Hannaford. Like, here's everyone's relationship with Hannaford. And, like, Hannaford's this kind of, like, deified being. And he, he believes he's a deified being. And it's probably because everyone else believes he's a deity. And 
It, that, You've got people like Peter Bogdanovich's character, Brooks, who I mean, literally like Skipper, he keeps, he keeps calling him the entire time. Like he clearly looks up to him, but then you've got the other guy and I don't remember his character's name, unfortunately, but the other guy who's completely dismissive of him, he's like, well, he's washed up. He's worthless. Uh. You know, why are you following him around? But he's also kind of aping his style. So he and Brooks come into confrontation there. I love that scene where they fucking, the one dude just knocks him the fuck out with a wine <laughs> I like all of Hannaford's cronies. I think they're all fun characters. Uh, you know, Billy obviously being my favorite of them. But you also had the Baron, who was interesting. But like the way they shoot the Baron a lot in the film is weird. Like it's just right up in his fucking face a hundred percent of the time. And it's like who shoots people? Like who? What person in their right mind who who? you know, carries around a camera and that's their life. Their livelihood says, this is how I want to shoot this person talking. No one, no one does that. Fuck. I, I, I want to say like the meta movie within the movie was my favorite part actually, because it was the only time that people weren't talking a fucking mile a minute. <laughs> and I could kind of follow what was happening, even though it was nonsense. I don't know. I don't even know what to say uh, about this movie for me is impossible to review. It really is because there's just so much going on and there's so many cuts and it's hard to follow and you want to give it a fair shake, but you can't because of how it's, how it's put together. But you also want to give it a fair shake because of the the legacy and the history behind it. So you want to put it in that kind of a framework and from that kind of aspect, I think they did an okay job at, you know, putting something out there. But I also get the feeling that this probably should have just stayed dead. Yeah, see, for me, I'm like, I, I can't help but wonder, like, when I watch the movie, I'm like, how would this have played if it got released back in, like, 1975? Mm-hmm. Like, th- that's what I can't help but that's what I can't help but wonder like if if he'd had the funds and if he had if he had had control of the film and just finished it put it out like would we have gotten the same film would it have been different in subtle ways or in major ways like it, I it, for me it's really really tough to rate it in that regard but I mean we like I said we can't do that we just have to take what it is what we got I'm glad we got it. Like I said, I think there's some absolutely gorgeous photography in the meta movie, even though, like I said, I don't think it needs to be here whatsoever. I think you can excise the entire thing and just extend the scenes and extend the cuts so it isn't so jarring. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I get that Wells wants it to be jarring. He wants it to be like that craziness of that Hollywood lifestyle, that craziness of that Hollywood machine that judges people and takes them in and chews them up and spits them out. I, I love that aspect of it, but it is really, really jarring at the same time. And it doesn't really allow you to just kind of live in a scene. You know what I mean? It doesn't allow you to just kind of be there like as if you're somebody who's just kind of among the party guests. And I feel like that's almost what he wanted, like an immersive style where you feel like you're one of those people that's there holding a camera on something mm-hmm. and just watching all the action yourself. And for me, I, I feel too disconnected from that because of how frequently it cuts around. So in the I best mean, parts of the movie are whenever they have private conversations, like it's just two people having a conversation yeah. and the camera actually gets to just stick on those two people. 
that those yeah. are the best it's parts. maybe a cut between two different cameras in in some of those scenes like the scene between he and the school teacher i i loved it i thought that was amazing mm-hmm. and it, you know it's it's those moments there where it's the quieter moments back and forth and like i said i i love john huston in this film i think he's absolutely spectacular and i just the only other thing the thing that really kind of bugged me is i don't necessarily know what they did to his like his voice work like if they didn't have good enough adr from the time or whatever the case was but i found a lot of his dialogue to be really tough to hear and i don't know if that's because he was slurring his words or if that's just huston's voice a combination of the two if that was intent I, like i don't know but it didn't play a hundred percent for me like i wish i would have been able to hear him a little bit more clearly mm-hmm. uh but yeah let, I, let me tell you I my agree. actual favorite part of the movie and I posted this over in our little chat. Uh, it's when they're driving to the party and this guy is on the back of Hannaford's car. And he's like, Mr. Hannaford, can you please to slow down or I will fall off the car? And then there's an immediate cut to the guy hanging onto the fucking bath seat screaming, Mr. Hannaford! <laughs> that was... <laughs> that happens in the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then once you see that, the movie never gets past that. Like, the movie peaks at that point. So if you feel like turning it <laughs> off after that, go for it. <laughs> yeah, there's also like those really weird things that pay off later. Like I, I love his animosity towards the John Dale character mm-hmm. for walking off the set of the meta movie. But the fact that they all jump on this bus with a whole bunch of fucking mannequins, like in the very beginning of the film, you're like, what the fuck what is the going fuck? on? And then of yeah. course there, there's the shooting gallery scene, which that yeah. looked like it was shot like three weeks ago. Like that's like you you can tell based off of the frames that and I noticed this kind of shit, but like you can tell based off the frames that like how they fall and like the smoke and the impact of the bullet. Though this was those were shot recently. I, I'm not even kidding. I that's they feel like they were shot like in 2017. Yeah. I mean, they very well could have been. They very I, well could have yeah. been. They could have done some some pickup stuff or whatever. I'm not aware if if they did or not, but. I think it's a really interesting thing to say, too, because you can also tell what footage amongst all that footage in the vault didn't age as well as some of the other footage did. Mm-hmm. Like, some of it looks a lot rougher. And I get some of it's supposed to be just like 8mm camera film versus 16mm, etc. Mm-hmm. But some of it's way rougher and way overexposed and things like that. And I mean, if that was a stylistic choice, fine. But especially especially as a person that's a modern audience member it's tough it's tough to get through because i've watched a ton of movies from i mean wells entire filmography older films and whatnot that are much much cleaner and nicer than that and i I, like i said for me it just kind of it's an odd stylistic choice and i don't know if it necessarily works 100 percent. i want to watch it again oh i already have i want to fast forward through all of the meta movies right (laughs) i uh I, I I do not understand the whole four three aspect ratio towards real life, and then the widescreen being the film. I I feel I don't know. I I don't like that. I I feel like it should have been reversed, but that's just me. I mean, it makes sense contextually though, because I mean, if you think about televisions at the time, they were all four three, and that's what like that kind of thing would have been shot in is four three. 
Mm-hmm. So it, that didn't really bug me as much. It did. It, it bugged me in the sense that I wish I could have seen more of the party. Like I wish those shots had been wider so I could see more of what was going on because there was so much going on. Right. But I think it made sense to do it that way in terms of let's shoot this like this because it, it was meant to be looking more like like a television style documentary or whatever. There's no such thing as widescreen TV in the 70s. You're a widescreen <laughs> so. TV. All right. Uh, Damn it. Let's I'm move on TV. to final ratings and 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 the such because uh, I think we've talked more than enough about this movie. So Caleb, we'll start with you. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Do I have to rate it? You don't have to, but taking goodluck.gif. I I don't know how to rate it. This isn't something that I would recommend. It's it's not something I enjoyed. Uh, fuck it, one star, I guess. Damn! <laughs> Suck it, Orson Welles. Transformers, better movie than Other Side of the Wind, says Caleb. <laughs> That's the headline. Suck all of this dick, Orson Welles. There's your show title right there. <laughs> uh, so, for me... This isn't an accessible movie. I feel like you have to be somebody that's really into Orson Welles to like appreciate this movie. And even then, I think you're still going to have a tough time. So I give this three guy screaming Mr. Hannaford as he hangs off the back of someone's car out of five. <laughs> uh, five. Yeah, it's a, I, I have nothing else clever. <laughs> well, I am a guy. <laughs> I am a guy who's really, really into Orson Welles. So for, for me, just to kind of see something else that that Orson Welles made, um, I've I'm gonna give it a four out of five for the party, the meta movie. Just just close your eyes and just get through it. It's I mean, there's some beautiful photography. There really, really is. And like Dan said, there's no dialogue, but it's holy shit those seeds go on for an eternity now uh, when you say don't like don't worry about the meta movie watch the meta movie when it's bill when it's billy and max david because that's Just actually that a good part scene of, with them, yeah. of the movie like yeah Ma- like billy yeah, trying to explain one too. it is hilarious <laughs> yeah but otherwise yeah, don't trying to explain what it's what's going on is is great and then there's another like halfway through the movie there's a scene where they're they're overdubbing Hannaford's direction, like the direction that he's giving them off screen during the meta movie. And I loved that part of it. If the whole meta movie would have been like that, where it's basically him talking about it or him narrating it, mm-hmm. I think that would have sounded so much better or would have worked so much better. But like, as it is, the meta movie just, it, like I said, it just goes on forever. So I'm giving it four out of five in spite of that, because I think the rest of what we get is fascinating enough, at least to me. To like, I just, I don't know. I want to watch this movie so many more times. I feel like there's so many more layers of this thing that I got to peel back. But uh, if you're like somebody that really, really loved Wells in his career, I would definitely say check it out. Okay. All right. That gives us an average rating of two and a half, I guess. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I, I said three, but like barely passing is like just not like just below passing sounds about yeah. right for this. I I brought it down as far as I could. <laughs> it's true. Uh so Fuck. with uh the Orson Welles love fest out of the way, let's hop into another quick break and when we come back, we're going to go to Corey's shitty horror movie corner. 
The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our sponsors. Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast. Shampoo from the Loot Quest RPG Podcast. Nick from the Epic Film Guys and Restaurant Podcasts. Drew Hallam from the Real Feels Podcast. Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast. Ben Kiefer. Ashley Gorski. Bill Sutton. And James Delarosa. If you would like to become a patron of the show... Find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or find us on iTunes. Apple Podcast reviews are a great way to make us say whatever you want, and when we hit certain review goals, we offer rewards such as Netflix and Swill merch or reviews of Sharknado movies. Even if all you do is download, thank you for helping the show grow. You're an important part of what we do, and without you, Netflix and Swill wouldn't exist. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, Nick, it's time to get into a uh, movie that our longtime companion host man, Wonder Bread, gave us to watch. Uh, It's Murder Party. Guys, I promise, this is good. Holy shit, this movie fucking sucks! I cannot think of anything more apt than that soundbite to kind of describe this movie because... <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> this was uh, something. I fucking loved this movie. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so let me say... A few nice things. First off, I really like the premise. I, I like that basically a guy gets invited to a murder party and he's just like, oh, what's that? Like he just happens to find an <laughs> invitation on the street that says, come to the, murder party. And he's like, okay, The conceit cool. of this movie is amazing. And then he shows up and is immediately beaten up and tied up. And it, he yep. discovers that the people who have beaten him there's, up and tied him up are going to kill him. There's no backstory. Like it. It introduces this premise, it gets you there immediately, and then, like, the movie just starts doing shit. I love that. So then my negative comes to, holy fuck, just just get through all of this faster. Like, this should have been a 40 to 50 minute movie. Because there is no To be reason. fair, this it's a tight 79 minutes, like... Sure, but cut, lop off 20 minutes. Yeah, because, like... Somebody dies early on, and then there's, like, a long stretch where nobody dies, but... And, and not even that... I think that, the payoff was worth it. Well, yeah, the the last ten minutes are great, but, like, if you can shorten that middle section up to, like... Like, like obviously, ten minutes at the beginning, perfect amount of time to, to set up everything and get him in the, get him tied up to the chair. Ten minutes at the end, perfect amount of time for a, a, a kind of warrior's reference, where basically a, a guy dressed up as... One of the gangs as the a baseball fury. Yeah, yeah. He, he goes around fucking great. People. I uh, love the Warriors so fucking much. Yeah, I'm down with that. It's just there was so much time spent in between that, the beginning and the end, that just didn't. I didn't really enjoy it because like nothing fucking happened other than the girl dying because she's yeah. allergic to raisins, <laughs> specifically non-organic raisins. It's the pesticide. God they use. damn it! <laughs> yeah, Melissa's yeah. in this that, movie. Everybody that happened. Uh, 
I, I also liked that uh, the one girl was just dressed as the fucking replicant from Blade Runner. See, that doesn't scan with me because I've never seen Blade Runner. Yeah, so this is about uh, Chris, a lonely and plain man. Uh, he just is walking down the street and uh, he fucking just steps on this invitation that's blowing in the wind that says murder party this is the address come alone and he just like goes home he gets dissed by his cat um and he fucking makes a night costume out of cardboard and duct tape to wear to this fucking halloween party and then there's like a montage of him walking there and it's just the saddest thing (laughs) (laughs) um so basically the gang that is gathered to murder him they're like art students so they're going to like make art out of his murder because because mm-hmm. artists are fucking weird yeah he makes the pumpkin bread to take to the party because he's a nice guy yeah uh he fucking he puts raisins in it the one girl like blacks out and hits her head on some shit when she falls and just dies the fucking the one guy tries to revenge murder him right there by dumping a jug of acid on his head, <laughs> but it turns out that it's acetic acid, which is vinegar, because they're stupid. I mean, <laughs> that went without saying, considering they're artists. Badum tis? <laughs> yeah. Not not a firm grasp on the physical sciences. Um, I don't know. This is the kind of... Like, this is a horror comedy, obviously. Right. Like, it's this is the kind of movie that I like because they, they play up the camp aspect of it. Um, this was on a razor-thin budget. Uh, oh, very and clearly. And it's, it's just them doing a bunch of dumb shit. I don't know. All, like, all the characters are so painfully awkward. And for most of the movie, the main character is tied to a chair and gagged. So it's just him trying to react to shit with... A fucking bandana tied in his mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I don't know. It's I can't explain why I liked this movie so much because it's just it's dumb. It's it is horribly dumb. I think the best part about the movie is the truth serum scene where basically they all inject like truth serum. Yeah, they play extreme truth or dare with fucking sodium pentothal. Yeah. (laughs) And and their main character admits to shitting his pants. And everyone's like, ooh, gross. I can't believe you shit your pants. Get away from me, pants shitter. And it's like, what? You... He didn't shit his pants now. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I don't know. The dude, the one guy, he had like a rubber werewolf mask and he tries to fucking smoke a cigarette while wearing the mask and the mask catches on fire and melts into his face. Um, that was some good makeup effects after he like comes. Yeah, that was to... cool. At the end of the movie, and his face is all I fucking just, melted. I just love how they all died so stupidly. Because <laughs> the the main guy, like, whenever the movie kind of got moving a little bit, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this guy escape the chair and then just kill everybody. Right. But it ends up being more like a Tucker and Dale versus Evil scenario where they all just end up killing themselves because they're stupid. Right. And, like, the guy who ends up being the main bad guy just sits in the corner playing his fucking PSP the whole movie. <laughs> right. It, that, that was cool because it was like, I know nothing about this guy. Like, he's just, he just seems like he's there. And then it turns out that he's just, like, 
the guy who's going to run around and just murder people like crazy. I mean, my closing thoughts on it are just like, I don't think that the the middle part uh, outside of like the, the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes, I don't think the middle part, I mean, it's kind of forces to get to the end, but you're also sitting there for 50 minutes waiting for the end to happen. And it just eventually comes and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. I'm back into this movie now, at least for me. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, I get that the like the middle stuff is entertaining enough to me, but like if they would have done this as a short film where it's just like the the death scenes and shit, mm-hmm. which is the real payoff of the movie, like that would have been fine too, yeah, but this movie isn't long enough to really feel like it's dragging on despite that to me at least, yeah, uh. It, it it did to me, and I, I'm gonna wind up giving this a two mainly for like the first ten and and final ten minutes, and I'm gonna kind of forget that the middle part, with the exception of the truth or dare scene, exists really. So, whatever. Good try, Corey. I, I can see why why you recommended this, even though. Yeah. Eh. This is like a perfect example of a Corey movie. Uh I'll. I'll give it a three and a half. I would watch this again. You heard it here first, everybody. Murder Party. Better movie than Other Side of the Wind. <laughs> I really want to watch it now, just just because of Caleb's enthusiasm. You should. It's on Netflix still, I believe. I don't think it left. But now I'm like halfway through the Jeremy Saulnier filmography, so now I feel like I need to finish it. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you think about uh, Green Room. Like I said, I, I really, really enjoyed that film. All right, Caleb, what do you want to do next week in terms of final segment stuff? Let's do a dick pic. Let's do dick pics. Uh, so my word is correspondence. And that brought me to the movie How to Lose a, T- uh, a Guy in 10 Days. Starring Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey and Catherine Hahn. Uh, a player bets his co-workers he can make a woman fall in love with him in just ten days, but he bets on the wrong girl, a writer with her own agenda. Ooh, Can't wait to watch a romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> My word was walrus, and that led me to the movie Tusk, which yes! makes me watch. Which Dan's making me watch because he wants me to watch it. And I'm going to watch it this month I want, because I am. I want everyone to watch it because that movie is Except ridiculous. for Caleb. Caleb will never watch it. I, well, Caleb's a piece of shit. He's a real piece of shit. <laughs> so my word is dinner. And I I'm going to watch The Dinner. dinner. <laughs> uh, the Dinner. Two brothers and their wives meet for dinner at an exclusive dining establishment. But their evening out together has a painful hidden agenda, starring Richard Gere. <laughs> Two brothers in a diner. I did not expect that to go in the direction of starring Richard Gere. <laughs> you know, gerbil man. Star- oh starring God. Richard Gere, Laura Linney, and Steve Coogan. Huh? <laughs> yes. Huh? Oh, my God. Okay. Well, next this week- shit is delicious. 
Well, next... I just got a court order that says you can't eat shit anymore. <laughs> ba, ba, dun, dun, ba. Dun. <laughs> All right. Well, next week on the show, we're going to be reviewing the new Chris Pine movie, The Outlaw King. Now, Caleb, I need to know. Does your theater that has four cinemas, or does your cinema that has four theater screens, uh, is that showing Outlaw King? Because that's supposed to be one of the movies that they're putting out in theaters. Well, let me do a, a cursory search. I am here also real doing quick. a cursory search of mine because I want to see if Netflix actually listened to me. I doubt they did because they're Netflix and they don't. They pretend we don't exist. Uh, nope, nowhere, nowhere near me. Hey Dan. Hey, hey Nick. I'm Pickle Rick. <laughs> it's Pickle Rick. Hey, yeah. hey, that episode, that episode that we already did, we're playing it again. <laughs> yeah, shockingly, this isn't coming to my little small town theater. I can't believe it. And uh, I know with a lot of new listeners, uh, some of you are listening on an iOS device. If you could please go to the Apple Podcasts app and either rate and or review us on uh, Apple Podcasts. We are one review away from doing a Sharknado 5 commentary. And quite please honestly, God. at this point, I just want it to be over with. I just want please. to move on from this. God. Please just drop us a review of or a rating of any kind. I don't care at this point. Just something. Please. And if you're in a foreign country, a.k.a. not in the United States, uh, screenshot that you left us a, ra- a rating. Uh, even if it's a one star, I don't care. I'm not going to hold it against you. I love you anyway. I love that you would have taken the time to give us a one. Nick, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for talking for about 35 minutes about the other side of the wind and why you loved it so you're much. Welcome. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> if, if everyone wants to find more in-depth film analysis, where can they find you? And possibly about learn about cooking and stuff. I was just say more in depth film analysis. That would be like on any show but the Epic Film Guys because we're just glorified dick jokes at this point. It's true. I listen every week. You guys just say the mm. word dick a lot. We do say the word dick a lot, but yeah, epicfilmguys.com. Uh, search for Epic Film Guys everywhere. You'll find us on literally any podcatcher under the sun. And uh, I also host a completely safe for work little cooking slash restaurant review show called the restaurant podcast uh check that out over at the restaurant pod.com thank you for having me guys i love you die (laughs) (laughs) after i send you my audio i will jeez no, I, I I don't want you to send us the audio at all. I just want to have like these long, awkward pauses of me and Caleb just waiting, and then like because it'll be like five minutes of like the other side of the wind review, and you'll just there'll just be silence. We're like, good point, Nick. So on uh, more about that. <laughs> all right, Dan. Oh, until next week, where can the people find us? Netflix and Swill dot com. Why did I say it like that? I don't know. Netflixandswill.com. www.netflixandswill.com. <laughs> Fuck you. Hi ho, Netflix and Swill frog here. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't worked on my Miss Piggy yet. Please wait for me. <sighs> uh, yeah, netflixandswill.com. You can find all the relevant links we talked about in the show notes, so go check those. And if any of them interest you, please. 
click on them. Uh, also, want to say uh, this week I will also be on. Everybody has wait. How, what's the name of it? Everyone has a story where I talk about my life story and why I am the way that I am. Spoiler alert: It's because I'm depressed. Clinically, not just like depressed isn't like oh I'm sad. No, like clinically depressed. So if you want to if you want to find out what it is to live like me. And believe me, you don't, but you should still listen anyway. Uh, the link will be in the show notes as well. I bet that's riveting. It actually is. It, I, I, I at least entertain myself, but of course, you know, I I make jokes and people don't laugh at them, so. Good joke, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next week. This is Caleb saying, we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.